Welcome to this issue of Cool Tool Show and Tell. Our special guest this week is Dan Goods. Dan, would you like to introduce yourself to our watchers and listeners? Hey, uh, yeah, great. Thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, Dan Goods, and I have an art and design background, and so I'm uh, sort of a creative director working on various kinds of projects around the world. Uh, during the day, I work at NASA's Jet Propulsion Lab, where I I lead a team of artists and designers, and then I also do art and design projects outside of JPL. Well, really welcome. Thank you for your work at NASA. That's really fantastic. And I know as a maker and artist, you have some cool stuff for us. So, um, so Dan, what's your, um, what's your first tool <laughs> like to share? Yeah, well, you know, I've, uh, some, some things are super low tech, um, but uh, one of my favorite things is gaffer tape. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan of tape. And so I like blue tape and I like certain kinds of glossy tape and, you know, uh, there, there's all sorts of different kinds. But gaffer tape, if you've uh, never used it before, uh, a lot of people in the film and TV industry use it, um, but I use it a lot as well. It's, um, you know, it's, it's a little, it, it, it has a lot of heft to it, um, but you can cut, you know, kind of pull it in little pieces and you can actually really get down to like little teeny tiny pieces, which is really nice. But the benefit of this tape is that it doesn't leave a residue, at least if you don't leave it forever, right? So if you are only going to leave it for a little while, uh, a lot of times when I'm doing an installation, uh, I need to mark it out. I need to like get a sense of how big this space is going to be, where you might stand, where you, you know, might have difficulties. And I lay this stuff down all the time. And what's great is it comes in uh, lots of different colors so and widths. So you, you got, you know, different colors. Some of them glow in the dark. Um, and I don't know, it's just like this multi-purpose thing that I use for all sorts of stuff, whether I'm trying to get things to uh, fit together or I'm like marking things down on the ground. Uh, gaffer tape, it's just like it, it's, it's, it's the thing that I'm always grabbing for. Right. And the distinction between, between gaffer tape and duct tape is that yeah. tape is usually <laughs> meant to be a little bit more permanent and gaffer tape is something that is seen as being picked up. You know, it could be yeah. a week or more. It'll be very, very secure. But the idea is that it, you or it is only temporary. Yeah. That's how yeah. the gaffers would use it in Hollywood. It came from the lighting sector of a, of a set where people were putting down taping wires and other things temporarily. Yeah. That's but it's good, yeah, it's, sticky enough that you can kind of yeah. do most. It has a heft to it that you can do most things with it. But, um, you know, if you're going to use duct tape, you just better assume that the thing is destroyed. And um, uh, if you ever want to take it off or you just can't take it off. Right. And or if you do take it off, you know, it's going to be all gooey or it's going to be a mess. And, and this stuff, you know, it just kind of lays down and then and then you take it off and it doesn't leave any residue. And so I don't have any problems putting it up on um, walls or, or other kinds of places. A little trick that I learned from some, uh, from another artist, uh, was to put, uh, if I didn't want to ruin like a, a painted wall is that I put down blue tape because blue tape is like painter tape. That's uh, what you get at like Home Depot or some, some place like that. And then I would lay the gaffer tape over the top because the gaffer tape is a little bit heftier than the blue tape. But that way you have a little bit of layering and, and then it's really uh, easy on, on the walls. So little uh, little trick that I, I, I learned along the way. That's really great. Gaffer tape. <laughs> and it comes in different widths, different colors, as you say. Yep. 
Yeah. Yeah. So and you can get it in like two inches, you right. know, it could be really big or it could be really thin. And it has kind of a cloth, a matte cloth, my mm-hmm. recollection. A little yeah. cloth feel. If you go to events, you'll see it on, on the ground, sort of they, they cover, they'll use something about this width that will cover up wires. Yeah. Uh, so, so you don't kick it and you don't need a big giant rubber thingy on the ground to you know, keep people from hurting themselves. Well, great. So gaffer is okay. That's <laughs> yeah, a great tool. Yeah. yeah. So what would be uh, a second so, one? So this one's super simple, but um, I've used a lot of rulers in my life, and um, uh, I didn't understand the difference between them because I, I, a lot of times I'm trying to cut something. And, and you know, like if, you, if you're not like really into – rulers and exacto blades and all that sort of stuff you just kind of grab whatever right and and a lot of times you have the uh like a metal ruler with the um, the cork on the bottom right yeah. but if you're right, trying right. to cut a straight line you got to be really careful because that that ruler might flip right and then then you're like all over the place and you might hurt yourself and um now i hadn't thought about this when i bought it but i have a few different ones of, of this particular let's see if i get my eyes yeah, out of the way on that. there we go yeah there we go uh, so Lumi cutter okay and what i didn't understand until i got i don't know if uh you can see but i have <laughs> yeah, a right, right. i have a i have a i have a scar and so this is why i've remembered this and every yeah. time i see someone cutting with uh, with an exact or with a uh, with a ruler i'm like yeah. Watch out! You got to get one of these because one side is really thin, and the other side is thicker. And I'm gonna right, kind of, right. yeah. So it. yes, you'd be able to do that. And so, so what you do is, and they actually have like a nice smooth spot there for you to hold your finger, and then you cut on the thick side. Now, I wasn't smart enough when I was first using it, and I used the thin side, and the exacto blade just like jumped up and gave me this lifelong scar. But a remembrance of the way I should use the tool. And so I absolutely love uh, this set of, of uh, rulers. They come in lots of different lengths and they have a, a really nice, it's a, it's not cork. It's like a felt that's on the back, which um, doesn't leave residue and other types of stuff when you're trying to cut something that you really care about. Right. And then just this other side that, um, you know, that, 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 you know, one side is thick and one side is super thin and, and, um, and it's really lightweight and I just, I, I know it's really, it's, it, it's super low tech, but I love, right. I love this ruler. So, so the idea is you, that the higher, thicker side prevents your blade from jumping up and yeah, off. Yeah. Track. You can kind yeah. of keep on track a little yeah. bit. And just the way, I don't know, just the way that the numbers are put on here, you know, uh, let's see, hopefully it's going to pop. Uh, I tested this beforehand and it worked really well. And then of course now it's not going to do it. But uh, anyways, the, the way the numbers are, they're silk screened on here. Um, sometimes if you have, if they actually engrave it sometimes in different light, it's hard to tell exactly where the measurement is. And so these are silk screened on there, which is really nice. And uh, they go down to like a 32nd of an inch, which is uh, really great too. So. <laughs> is, is, is that the brand Illumi? Illumi? Yeah, I guess um, Illumi Cutter. Illumi Cutter from Illumi. Yeah, from Illumi Color. And that's oh no. So this is Illumi Cutter from Illumi Color. So I guess okay. the the big company is Illumi Color, and the product is Illumi Cutter. So I don't know about any of their other other products. But, uh, okay. 
that worked out for me. I'm presuming they come with that four foot or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is uh, which is the one that I was using when I uh, got my remembrance. Right, right, right. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, a four foot uh, ruler and cutter is very invaluable in almost any studio. So it's a great, great tip. Okay. Well, thank you for that second one. How about the third one, Dan? Yeah. So this is, um, this is a, um, a thinking tool. And um, I went to Art Center College of Design in Pasadena, and I had this uh, legendary instructor, Lou Danzinger. And uh, I remember him mentioning this, and I, I didn't think much of it at the time, but I've used it the rest of my life. And every time I bring it up uh, in teams, they're like, that's a really good idea. And so just think back to, you know, if you had a stereo in the eighties, you, you had a dials, right? You had dials or you had like a, you know, you could push it back and forth, right? Slider, and slider. A slider. Thank you. And so simple idea is whenever you are talking about any type of idea or product or project or anything, you think of it on, on the scale of a dial. And so like, if someone says, you know, you know, I, I'm going to say, you know, we should do something in this, in this fashion. You don't necessarily have a sense of where that is on the scale of ideas. And I think we immediately go to whatever happens to be in our head, right? And what's in my head is different than what's in your head. And what's really important when you're trying to communicate is making sure that what's in my head is in your head. And so I I notice a lot of times if you just say, here's an idea, people don't have any reference for it and they either like it or they don't like it or they go off on some tangent. And what I've started to do and what he was suggesting is just put it on, on a dial or on a slider. Where is it on that? So is it a crazy idea? Or is it a really conservative idea? And is it like 50%? Is it 30%? Is it 70%? Is it 95%? And then you can say, well, let's go with a crazier idea. Or let's go with a more conservative idea. Or, you know, it needs to be louder. It needs to be softer. It needs to uh, uh, feel, um, uh, you know, it, it needs to have more feeling to it. Or it needs to have more, you know, intellectual rigor to it. And where is it on that dial? And I swear we use it all the time now. And um, it's just one of those things that, you know, if, if, um, if he hadn't said that in my life, I think I would have gotten lots, you know, there would have been a lot more confusion. And um, super simple, but um, super meaningful, at least for, for me, in my work. And on the dial, the, the, the action or the dimension that you're usually mm-hmm. referencing is more plausibility or realism? It could be anything. It could be anything. And that's what's so great about it, right? Is you just put your own, you know, axes on it, right? Or, you know, the, uh, the higher, the low. And so it, it, could, it could be more expensive, less expensive. It could be, you know, brighter. It could be dimmer. It could be, uh, it hurts or it, it doesn't hurt, right? And um, you know, like if you go to a doctor and you say it's a scale of 110 or something like that, it's just a different way of thinking about a scale, right? Um, so, yeah. so the idea is that you want to have some kind of scales attributed yeah. to the idea. Whatever yeah. the dimensions are, you want to put them on a scale, and that mm-hmm. scaling helps it be specific or realer? Yeah, well, it gives the other person a chance of saying, well, maybe we need more of it or less of it. I, I think maybe the, 
the way it comes into uh, really helpful for me is that people will dismiss something, right? And if they don't have a sense of, you know, context, and if you can give them a little bit, you, you can say, okay, well, how about this idea? But if it's on a scale of, you know, if it's on the dial of, you know, zero to 10 and it's an eight, if we were on a seven, would that work? You know, if we were on a six, would that work? And uh, then they might go, well, yeah, okay, I, I get it. You know, I, maybe if it was just dialed down a little bit in, you know, in this area, then that, that makes it more palatable or, or, or maybe you need to turn the dial up. Right. And, uh, and right. also like if you're, if you're exploring ideas that helps you go, well, is this, is this all the way up? You know, is this, uh, should, should you do something that's more risky? Should you do something that's more conservative? And that, um, Oh, just gonna help with that. Yeah, yeah, I um, I like that. So it's um, what do you call it? Putting a dial or adding a dial? Yeah, it's just uh, it's just yeah. Where's it on the dial? Where's yeah. it on the dial? Yeah. Okay, just a question to ask when you're brainstorming or trying to design something. Mm-hmm. That's great. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So um, <laughs> that's a tool. Definitely a tool. Yes. Yeah. Thinking tool. A thinking tool. Yeah. Um, so, so Dan, how about your fourth tool? Yeah, so the last one is something that I just absolutely love, um, and it's super simple to make. It's called a cloud chamber. And so what a cloud chamber is, is um, what, what you kind of need is like a fish tank. You get a fish tank, and then um, I get some felt, and I, I use a couple of magnets to get the felt onto uh, the top of the, or the, I guess it's the bottom of the fish tank. And then you put isopropyl alcohol. And so you need like 99% isopropyl alcohol. Uh, So if you go to your like Rite Aid or something like that, they usually have something that's more like 80 or 90%, but you really want 99% and you can get that at uh, Amazon or other other places. And so so you get isopropyl alcohol on this felt and then um, you have a piece of uh, metal uh, like aluminum and um, you put this on here, and then you put this whole thing on a piece of dry ice. And if you Google cloud chamber, there's like you know 50 different ways of doing it. Some of them you can just use a little cup. Some of them are you know other other ways of doing it. But what's super amazing about it is that that what happens is that it's warm up on top, and it's really cold down below. And what happens is that alcohol kind of starts to come down and it turns into a fog about one inch before it hits the plate. And that fog um, is, is special because particles from exploded stars that have been flying through space for millions or hundreds of millions or billions of years from a star that exploded far, far away are coming through you and I all the time, right? And what happens is that this particle called a muon will go through this fog and, and it's sort of like the fog is trying to grab a hold of it. And it looks like a little streak. It looks like if you were to take a, uh, like a, if you were to shoot a bullet into, um, into a, a body of water, like a swimming pool or a lake or something like that, you, you see that poof. Right, you, you, I, I, I do better with sounds sometimes than I do with, with actual words. And so, 
you'll see these little streaks and they're just like flying through there all the time. And, and those are showing you not the actual muon, but it's showing you where it just went, right? It, it's leaving a wake. And to me, it just, it just blows me away that you're able to see this stuff, you know, that these things that are flying through you all day long and there's millions and billions of them going through you, right, you know, all day long, right? And you have no idea that it's there. And all you need is a fish tank and some dry ice and some isopropyl alcohol, and you're able to see it yourself. And so uh, that's a tool that uh, I, I show whenever I give talks at the very end, I, I sort of talk about how, um, you know, there's, uh, you know, that we, we, we have a precious moment in time. Um, and how are we going to spend our precious moment and, and time and uh, then people can kind of come up and get a sense of wow this thing's been flying through space but we just kind of got to see it right now right mm -hmm. and um, anyway so that's that's one of my favorite mind-blowing tools and so please you know I'll, I'll send you a little video of, of what what it looks like when the streaks are going through and uh, hopefully you can uh, everyone will go find it on YouTube and make their own so uh Going back to the making part, so so do you need like a block of dryers? Can you use pellets or? Yeah, you can use you can uh, essentially you just need something super cold, super right? cold, and and uh, dry ice is probably the easiest way to do that. I have seen someone someone had like a it looked like a tuna fish can, and they had put um, saran wrap over the top, and then they put the isopropyl alcohol in there, and then. They use like a, um, an air can right. and, you know, sometimes that will get something super cold. And right. so I haven't personally tried that, um, mm -hmm. but that is a, another way of doing it. But, you know, dry ice, you can get it, you know, the grocery store, ice cream places, uh, it's all over the place. You just have to be careful uh, to right. wear gloves when you're doing it. And um, on the particles themselves, are you, um, the, you say they're passing through us. So, they're passing through us because they pass through matter or because they haven't collided with a particular piece of matter in our body? Um, my understanding is that they're, uh, let's see. Well, I guess they don't, I'm probably, I'm not going to be able to, I, I don't want to act okay. as if I know the answer to that, right. uh, <laughs> but, uh, but it's a subatomic particle. So it's really tiny and I don't think it interacts with us. Okay. But it does, it does, uh, there's something about the, the electrons are trying to grab uh, the, from the isopropyl alcohol are trying to grab a hold of it. And uh, of course, my wife would probably say, no, that's not right. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so okay. I'm getting a little deep in there. All right. But I well, do I will, know that they I, are. I won't press it, but um, somewhere there will be an explanation. But um, yes. uh, that does sound like a really cool little experiment. And I have seen the version, the mini versions of this Um uh, available, which as, as Dan suggests, you don't need to, uh, very much equipment to to show this, um, and it is remarkable because right now, as we speak, as you're sitting there, wherever you are, it's, they're passing through you right now, and we're just not aware of it. So that's a great um, awareness, um, raising the awareness. So Dan, um, those are really great. Thank you for for sharing those with us. What 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 what's what do you want to share with our audience? Are you working on anything right now, or do you have um, a project or a passion that you want to let us know about? Yeah, yeah. I've been. Um, I, this is something that um, has always been in back of my mind, and I'm trying to 
bring it to the uh, forefront of my mind. Um, as we were talking a little bit earlier, have three kids and a you know, full-time job and always trying to figure out how do I, how do I get some of these passions out there? But um, um, so when, when you are alone and if you like to sing, um, you know, you hear everything about your voice, right? You hear if it's, you know, if it's in key or not, if it's breaking or cracking or, or whatever. So you, you hear like every element. But when you get into a group of people and um, I'll call it a breaking point, there, there's a breaking point at some point, whether it's 30 or 50 or, you know, some amount of people that all of a sudden it doesn't matter exactly what you sound like. They, everyone together all of a sudden starts to sound good somehow. Right. <laughs> and I've never understood that. That just seems really weird. Like, why is that? Why does that happen? And then I was at a, a concert at the Rose Bowl and there was 92,000 people there. And uh, it was U2, it was U2 concert. And, and everyone is like singing and holy cow, it just felt, it felt spiritual, right? Like there was, there was, it was something different. It was way different than myself. It was way different than 50 or a hundred or a couple hundred people, 92,000 people. It was just totally different. And so, so I was trying to think, well, if those are two different breaking points, is there another breaking point out there? Like what would the next breaking point be? And, um, uh, so, you know, I'm just like picking a million. What what if I could sing or listen to a million people singing? And and there's a number of these different, um, you know, uh, virtual choirs uh, yeah. where people sing into the computer. And and, um, and so I love watching those for like when I first saw the virtual choir, Eric Whitaker, um, it was so beautiful. You know, you see all these people and like, how did they make that happen? Um, and from a video standpoint, it's super impressive, right? You, you see all these little boxes of people. And, um, but from a sonic standpoint, you're listening to it out of your, you know, your laptop, right? And it's not the same thing as listening to thousands and thousands of people singing. And so, so I've wondered, you know, well, what could, what could you do? You know, like if you had 10,000 speakers and there was 100 voices in each one, you know, that's, some, you know, I don't know if a hundred voices is too many to have into one, one thing, but I have a few different friends that, uh, that are uh, really good with this sort of uh, sonic, you know, tool sets that, that they have. And uh, so we're going to, we're going to start experimenting. And um, uh, the cool thing about it is that if we had the structure that had, let's say 10,000 speakers, and we invited everyone to sort of sing into uh, the computer, we, we'd have some data and we could ask, you know, like, uh, where do you live and how old are you and some uh -huh, other things. Uh -huh. And what would be super beautiful is you'd listen to these million people singing, but then you could hear only, you know, only 15 year old men in Africa singing and only, you know, women that are 30 and above, only people that sing the key of G you know, only these, and, and you'd be able to listen to the same music, but with all these different sort of data sets. And then hopefully there'd be a moment where you could go in there and there'd be some, whether it's, you know, Bluetooth or whatever, but um, the sculpture would know that you're there and it would show you where you're singing, 
right? And then maybe you could just hear your voice for, for a moment. And so um, I've always thought this would be a beautiful thing to do at um, some sort of global event, whether it's, uh, you know, World Cup or the Olympics or, you know, World Expo where there's people from all over the world. And, and this really would want to be a, a global uh, type of project. So you could really, really, you know, I, I love the idea of lots of people doing something beautiful together. Yeah. So that's that's uh, that's passion that uh, I want to see uh, come to fruition, and um, hopefully, hopefully will. In almost all the speeches that I do in the past couple of years, I've talked about the fact that our new tools are, will enable us eventually to have something where we have a million people do something together in real time. The idea of collaborating at the million level. Um, in real time is something we can't do, but we're going to figure out how to do that. And I think the idea of singing had not occurred to me, but that is a fantastic <laughs> um, collaboration to, yeah. to well, well, figure it out. Said, that there's something <laughs> weird that happens, weird and wonderful that happens in large groups. It doesn't happen when you're singing by yourself or in yeah. small groups. And so um, uh, if people wanted to, either support you or be engaged in this in some ways or participate. Um, is there a place for them to go? Have you said anything? Yeah. Else? Uh, so, uh, so at this, so we have, um, so we're working on a, on a, a prototype so that we could uh, test, you know, uh, like four or 500 uh, voices. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, I suppose you can, you could either, you know, uh, find me on my website. Uh, it's directedplay.com. If you just Google Dan Goods, you can you can find that. Um, or you know, I'm on I'm on Instagram and Facebook and, yeah. and other types of things. And so, um, yeah, if I would have, you know, if I would have put all this together, I would have thought, oh, I should have had a whole website all devoted <laughs> so that I could kick it off right here. But um, you know, that's okay. That, we'll put we'll put your contacts in the show notes. Yeah. And, um, awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I think um, it'd also be kind of curious if you start to accumulate that, whether there is a quantitative difference that you could yep. to notice um, that you could deliberately then try to amplify um, or whether or not like bandwidth it, at some point there, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's possible yep. too. Right. I mean, yeah. I could, whatever that number might be. Um, where we're incapable of noticing uh, in some mm -hmm. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, I have a feeling it's past 100,000. Okay. <laughs> At least that's what I'm hoping for. Sure, sure. Um, uh, well, that's really great. Well, thank you again for this. Um, and, and again, do you have a name for this phenomena or what this project is called? Well, so we're actually going to try three different things. So... Um, in talking to various people, um, we've talked about singing, uh, we've talked about humming, mm. and we've also talked about cheering. Mm. So like the roar of the crowd. So if it ended up being that cheering was actually, you know, like if we just recorded you for 15, 20 seconds, just giving your all, right? Like you were just like, ah! Uh -huh. You know, like there's something cathartic about that, but right. it's also beautiful to cheer together, right? And and yeah. especially at this moment in time, like holy cow, we need something to cheer together about. And, and if it has nothing to do other than like getting people, 
right, right, amped right. up that way, then that there's something beautiful there. And so, because we, we've talked about, you know, well, what song would you sing that is, uh, that everybody would know, you know, right, and, right, and right. that's, that's hard, right? And, um, or, you know, if you hum, there's something just magical about humming um, and cheering. And so, so we're, we're going to try all three of them right, and right. see which one seems to have the most right. power to it. I like the global cheer idea. Yeah, that, that's yeah. Really cool. I wonder if yeah. you could actually figure out the timing of it so that the cheer would actually circumnavigate the globe. A single yeah, yeah. Around. So you'd, you know, it'd be about a thousand, you know, at the quaver, thousand miles an hour, <laughs> 500 miles an hour, which um, you could actually pace out. So you could get an app and wherever you are, you would have the second to cheer and then the cheer would just pass over. Um and go around the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like hands across America. Yeah, right. Um, the cheer, larger. The yeah. cheer across America. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, this is really great. Thank you for uh, uh, playing with us and um, sharing your, your cool tools. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. Um, and best of luck on the global cheer. Awesome. Thank you so much. Good thing. We're glad that you enjoyed this issue of the Cool Tools Show and Tell. Just want to remind you that we have some other coolish material on our YouTube channel here. Please subscribe, comment, like. In addition, um, this Cool Tools Show and Tell is also available in an Audible podcast form. You can subscribe to it wherever you subscribe to other podcasts if you just wanted to listen. And if you're listening, know that there is a visual version of this on our YouTube channel where we're actually showing the tools and um, there's a little bit more of a visual component there. In addition, the same folks that put us, uh, the Cool Tools website out, we also put out a free newsletter every week. It's very, very short. It's one page or less. We recommend six very brief items um, that are very succinct, easy to read. You can deal with it in a couple minutes. And every week we bring to you the six cool things that we have uncovered and want to share. And it's called Recommendo with one M, recommendo.com. You'll be able to find it there. It's free. Join 50,000 plus other subscribers every Sunday morning. You'll get it in your email box. And it's actually one of the most popular things that we produce. But we do produce other newsletters as well. One of them is called What's in Your Bag. We have one that goes out to um, tools and tips for your workshop. So you can get those at our website um, and they are also free. And finally, um, I wanna mention the fact that um, we do have a Patreon and um, this uh, podcast and this vidcast are supported by Patreon supporters. The minimum is a dollar a month. And for that, you get um, an email to ask us anything. We'll respond and um, answer your question if we're able to. There are other higher levels. You can all see those at our Patreon page. And all those links are below right here. So thank you again for being a fan. And um, we'll keep producing stuff if you enjoy it. Thanks. Thanks to this week's Patreons. They include Rachel Steele, Michael Minardi, David Robson, Viral Patel, James Boismer, Daniel Cochran, Edge Cetra, Melissa Feldman, 
and Jeremy. Thank you all. <laughs>